Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back with you guys for another episode of our Analyzing Arsenal series, a show in which we look back at the latest league game to see how Arsenal have played, analyze their performance and see where they can change to move forwards into the next fixture. I'm very happy to be joined by David Hughes. I do, mate. Are you well? I am very good. Thank you, Tom. Uh, nice to be on after a win because yes. it was a bore draw on my last appearance against Brighton. Mm. So yeah, it's good to talk about the victory. Absolutely. Uh, very obviously happy yourself on uh, on Merseyside as well of what's been going on over there. Enjoy the well, weekend. Well, it depends which side of Merseyside. Well, true. I sp- oh, yeah, yeah, I do forget. I'm thinking of Josh. Josh was certainly happier. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah not so let's let's settle that the better, Tom. Let's talk about Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, let's let's focus on Arsenal. And I'll, I'll, I'll congratulate Josh when I next see him. Um, but yeah, talking about Arsenal's game against Villa, obviously turning around yet another unbeaten game, stretching that run through to six fixtures. What do you make of kind of the the six games unbeaten, I suppose, so far? Because as you last joined us, there was a it was a bit of a disappointing performance against Brighton. And they've had a few games like that where we've taken an odd free kick to beat Burnley. We've obviously had a really good performance against Spurs. It was a lot of chances that helped beat Norwich, but it wasn't. we didn't really take the chances that we created. And then the game against Crystal Palace, we could have easily lost that game uh, were it not for a very last-minute Lacazette go. And then you have this performance against Aston Villa that was very encouraging. So it's it's unbeaten in consistency there, but it's not consistent in terms of performances. So what have you made from, from those six games? Yeah, I think you summarise it really well. Um, you know, performance-wise, there's still plenty of improvements that can probably be made. There's probably one or two games that have still been uh, too much in the balance, you know, a little bit of a, a coin toss. And, you know, obviously it's it, it felt right for Arsenal in this run, but, you, you know, from experience, it can quite easily go the other way uh, when you're not doing enough to, to win games uh, from a p- performance perspective we're talking about here mm. now. Um you know, but that being said, I thought the the game against uh, Aston Villa on the weekend was was one of those games where the uh, the performance warranted the results. Uh, Arsenal did did more than enough to get the victory. And I think if they can just start backing up the results with the performances, then it's it's likely to going to be sustained. Uh, and and that's the that's the big reason we're talking about it. That's why we focus on performance on on this show because yeah, you may come away with a. A, a good result that might not be warranted, but if you're doing too many of them, the chances are mm. that you know the uh, the edge of the cliff is coming, uh, and it's it, you're probably going to start to see a little bit of a downturn in results. So, you know, it was definitely uh, going in the right di- direction in terms of getting that win, but also putting in a really good performance on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think with with Arsenal that every Arsenal fan has been using the word consistency of performances and, and wanting to see these things carry over because the Spurs game looks like it could have been the cornerstone to, to move on from something and, and go to something really good. And, and we could still do that because we've avoided obviously losing any of the games after the Spurs fixture. But with the performances against Brighton and then Palace, it did dip and the, the mood around the camp definitely dipped as well. But this Villa game looks to be another opportunity for Arsenal and a second chance for our to, to to build from that result but it doesn't get any easier with Leicester at the weekend and I'm sure we'll touch upon that towards the end of the show but just focusing back again on the game against Aston Villa one of the key things that there was comparisons with the shape against Spurs and against Villa as well was how kind of spacious they were against Brighton it was kept quite narrow quite compact and, and Brighton's press really harmed 
uh, Arsenal in that game. But what was interesting about the Villa performance was the difference with Nuno Tavares in the team on the left-hand side over Kieran Tierney. As you can see on the Spurs map there, uh, Kieran Tierney's positioning in his own half, quite far away from Smith-Rowe. But Tavares and Smith-Rowe in the Villa game, very close together. In fact, both of them combined on the field uh, 31 times, I believe it was. It was indeed, which was 14 more times than any other pairing. Do you think this is, and although he is only 21 and we look at Tierney as very much the starting left back, but it seems good for Arteta to have this option and it could be something that he chooses to use again in the future. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I don't know if maybe he he opted to go for him um, or he'll opt to go for him against similar position. Mm. He might adopt that, you know, kind of back three setup, which, uh, which Villa we thought might do and he did do. Uh, but yeah, look, I was really impressed with that that side uh, in particular uh, on, on Friday. I thought, I mean, the, the underlying numbers backed up certainly from an attacking mm. point of view. Um, Smith Rowe had the most at- attacking touches inside the uh, inside the final third. Third behind him was um, Tavares, which I thought was was quite interesting for left back. He also had the most touches in the penalty area. You know, more mm. than Bamiang, more than Lacazette, more than anyone else, more than Saka, um, which. Again, seems quite quite a shock considering he's a left back. You wouldn't you wouldn't anticipate that, but that showed the the kind of confidence he he had to get forward. And him and Smith Rowe were, were causing all kind of issues on that side. Um, he, he also, I mean, Smith. I'm just bringing up the numbers now. I was just speaking. Mm. Um, Smith Rowe also led the way in terms of key passes and passes into the penalty area. And you know, you look at the the amount of times as you pointed out, they they've linked together on the pitch. Thirty one. Only twice as many as anyone else. Yeah. It's good, it, you know. It was impressive. It's it the signs of maybe a potential building partnership for the future there. Um, does that mean that Tierney suddenly is you know relegated full time to the bench? No, of course. No, he's a he's a fantastic player. Probably one of Arsenal's better, but certainly having this this different option, this different profile, who can come in, especially in say you know home matches where Arsenal might maybe expect him to dominate a little bit more mm. in terms of the ball and territory, then then he could be a really good good option. I think what this graphic also shows is kind of the difference in style of fullbacks that Arsenal have with Tavares and, and Tomiyasu. Whilst Tomiyasu and Saka had the second highest combinations at 17, you notice that Tomiyasu's making 13 of those 17 passes playing it through to Saka, whereas with Smith-Rowe and, and Tavares, it's actually Smith-Rowe that has the most, which is indicating that Tavares is overlapping a lot more than what we're finding of Tomiyasu overlapping uh, Bakayo Saka, and it's showing kind of that, that balance, I think, that Arsenal brought into Tommy Asu to be the guy that's not as adventurous that sits in, provides an extra body to the two centre-backs and makes that left-hand side even more threatening. But Tomiyasu is proven to be very consistent for Arsenal and a significant step up on the likes of Bellerin and Maitland-Niles and Cedric. Cedric played last night against Leeds and struggled a bit at times, wasn't exactly electric in any shape or form. So do you think that this is the perfect balance, having kind of the left-hand side with a, a fullback like Tierney or Tavares that really attacks the flank and Tomiyasu providing more of a disciplined balance on the right-hand side? Yeah, I think I said it maybe last time I was on, but I think Arsenal mm. have been doing a much better job in terms of recruitment and it. For me, what, what stood out initially from Tommy Asu, and look, we have to be honest, although we, we did stuff, I didn't know a lot about him, and you know, this is meant to be my role in terms of scout, and I didn't know a ton about him. Um, but what's really impressed me is the consistency within his performance levels. Uh, I think he does the basics really well, and he yeah. does kind of he does kind of provide this um, defensive solidity almost on that side, where as you rightfully point out, in the past, Arsenal have just felt a little bit particularly without the ball, 
in that area, they just felt a little bit soft sometimes. You know, mm. m- maybe they prioritise good players who are better going one way than going the other. You know, better attacking profiles than maybe defensive ones. And he's come in and look, he, he, he still offers something with the ball. You know, just I, I remember specifically in the North London derby, I thought he looked quite quite strong when he was carrying the ball forward in the opposition's mm. half and Tottenham's half. But um, you know, purely talking from a defensive point of view. I think he's a he's a really good consistent performer. Let's have a look at Lacazette's positioning in the team because whilst it was kind of built to be a bit of a four four two, you think Lacazette's a striker is going to play alongside Aubameyang, but actually his his heat map showed how deep that he kept dropping during the game, and he basically formed kind of a, a second striker or or a loose number ten uh, position behind Aubameyang and supported the Gabonese forwards and. Without Erdogan in there from the start, whose performances have dipped recently and Smith-Rowe looking so good on the left, this did prove to be a bit of a masterstroke by Arteta to, to link up Lacazette and Aubameyang once again. Yeah, they did. But as you said, it felt like a little bit of an adaptation to it. Um, mm. But it worked well because if you think of Lacazette's profile, you know, he's been around for so long now that you kind of almost taken for granted, you know, because he's been in and out of the side over the last few years. But, mm. you know, he's as a profile, he's good on both sides of the game. You know, attacking-wise, he's he's pretty underrated as a as a finisher. He's quite efficient. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a little look this morning and every single season at Arsenal, he's outperformed against his XG, you know, his expected goals. I mean, some seasons only ever so slightly, but he's still proven to be a consistent good finisher over a number of years. Back in March, I was having a look at, you know, shot conversion uh, for a piece I was working on. I remember that back then, um, okay, there was still a third of the season to go, but of the players who'd scored six or more league goals, his shot conversion was the best in the Premier League, Mm. no better than any other striker. So, you know, you're putting in a player who, when it comes to those moments, you know, he's got the potential to to convert them. And Arsenal still aren't on stage where they're creating, you know, a half full of chances. So you need these elite finishes like your Lacazette, like your Bamiangs to, to convert them into goals. So in one sense, it's good to have them on the pitch from an attacking point of view. But then, look, on the other side, he works really hard. You're right, he drops in. You know, he, uh, he he's good at cutting out passing lanes, pressing, harrying. Mm. He, he, he's a really good profile to have on that, uh, in that number 10 area. Okay, he's not a traditional number 10, but he does offer something a little bit unique. And I think that's maybe why why Arteta played him there and maybe why we might see him play there a little bit more uh, going forward. His strike partner, Aubameyang, as well, was was playing in an interesting way. And I say interesting because it matched how he played against Spurs. And he was a lot more pressing. He was a lot more aggressive with his play. He had the same exact amount of defensive duels made, according to Weisgau, uh, in the Aston Villa game as he did in the Spurs game, which was seven, which is above all the other matches as well. Which brings with it kind of a, a positive and negative question because you look at it and you go, this is great. He's getting involved, he's defending. Even Mikel Arteta picked up on it in his post-match press conference and saying that he's playing in a way which he's not seen before and he's doing a lot more work than he did do previously. But then you've got to look at the other side of the coin, which is it seems when he feels like it, he plays <laughs> like this. 
But when maybe it's a cold night on the south coast against Brighton on a on a Monday evening or whenever it was, he's not as up for getting involved and as up for doing this in front of an away crowd without that kind of emotional support that he's talked about in the past as, as needing. So how do you kind of evaluate Aubameyang's performances in these games? And, and is it a concern or something that Arsenal just need to kind of encourage moving forwards? Yeah, look, it's... To, to be honest with you, Tom, right? It, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one to to kind of uh, summarise. I mean, in terms of the performance, you, you're spot on in what you said. He, uh, his work off the ball was noticeably better. Um, again, like yourself, I had a little look on top of the numbers that you provided. Um, he made more off the ball pressures than any other Arsenal player on the on the night. Uh, 24, followed mm. by Partey with 20, then Lacazette 18. Um and and maybe you know does that lead into does he feel like he performs a little bit better on that side of the game when he has someone like Lacazette around him as opposed to Odegaard? You know, um, do I'm not saying Odegaard by any means is a slouch yeah. without the ball. He you know he, he definitely pulls his weight in that regard and the numbers back it up. Um, although Lacazette looks a little bit better so far this season. Um, but yeah, is there maybe a better understanding between the two? Um, you know, do they just seem to work a little bit better? Does having him a lot alongside him or with him kind of bring out the best in Aubameyang on that side of the game um, because we know that they've got a really good relationship. So, you know, maybe that could be something that's that's playing a part in, in how we performed in these games uh, from, the you know, these kind of pressures and defensive point of view. Moving on to kind of the last focus of of this before we go into some more general stuff at the end. Again, I just wanted to pick up on Ramsdale because I think sometimes when sides win and they win by a few goals, the goalkeeper can go a little bit under the radar in their performance. And and again, he made some crucial saves. The goal that he conceded was like, there was nothing he could do about that strike. It was a fantastic <laughs> strike um, that was that was made by Villa and uh, and well works too. I think it was was it Ramsey that, that scored. I think it was. Um, yeah. It was a fantastic top bins is is what yeah. you describe it as, and you could do little to do to do about that. But his passing was again really impressive against uh, against Crystal Palace. It was eighteen passes out of eighteen against Villa. It was eighteen passes out of nineteen, just the one that that went astray. And it's the variation of passing as well. The little short layoffs to to start building from the back, the long kicking to to set players through, which is something that Burnt Leno struggled with in both areas. Last Leno's shot stopping and goalkeeping was was very good. It was the distribution that was kind of holding us back. And you can, on a consistent basis now, David, see why Arsenal have signed Ramsdale. Yeah, look, I mean, just just before we talk to, touch on the passing, I have to mm. say, I thought uh, it said a lot when Ramsdale's reaction to conceding the goal. You know, three, he was furious, wasn't he? Uh, which, <laughs> yeah. Which kind of signals a winner who maybe was disappointed to lose his clean sheet. But uh, going to your point, yeah, I think... Um, I think with every passing week, we're starting to start to see why um, Arsenal were so keen to bring Ramsdale in, and you know he was so heavily criticised. And there was a lot of, I'd say the club probably got a fair bit of criticism about the mm. move as well. Thought they overpaid, but uh, you know the club are showing now and a kind of smile and that all all, the, all these critiques they have because he looks really good and specifically on the distribution. Yeah, you know those numbers are really good. And, and look, we know that if we're being honest, there's going to be a lot of short passes in there, you know, straightforward passes. But as we see from the um, the passing radar you put in front of us, there's there is a really good mixture in there. There's long, accurate passes as well when the time's right, and when it isn't, when it is a case of just playing short, 
that's exactly what Arteta wanted. You know, he wanted a, key, a keeper who was capable of doing that because that's the way he wants his Arsenal side to play. And now he's come in really comfortable on the ball, but he's also got the capabilities to mm. launch these kind of quick counter-attacks and transitions when the uh, opportunities present themselves. You know, he's, he's absolutely ideal as to what, what uh, Arteta wants. It's in, it's interesting because when we highlighted this after the the game last week against uh, Palace, and we was talking to to Josh about this, Josh said that prior to him joining, he never even considered Ramsdale's distribution, um, and he'd always kind of looked at him as a as a good shot stopper, and he was one of the best shot stoppers in the league because he'd been playing for two teams at the bottom end of the table, facing a lot of of opportunities from opposition sides, and it I, I suppose it's a big credit to Arsenal's kind of analysis and scouting team that amongst and kind of sifting through all of the the nitty-gritty of the of a relegation scrap they've identified a goalkeeper with some really good distribution to his game as well yeah well that's it there's gonna the, the problem is where ramsdale's been there's a lot of noise in the numbers isn't there really uh, mm. you know he's he's facing a ton of shots uh he's also being at teams who let's be honest aren't going to be the the best football inside you know they're not going to be implementing the philosophy that's a direct mirror of what arsenal are looking to do mm. so it isn't it isn't it isn't easy but you're looking at a goalkeeper who they arsenal obviously did the work on the england setup have also done the work on uh because they, they call him up to the side okay he's not number one we know that at the moment is he probably going to be in the next five years you'd imagine mm. so he's certainly got a good case he's still only 23 but, you know, the likes of Southgate have looked at him as well. And Southgate wants to play a goalkeeper who can play out from the back. Uh, that's important to him. It's why he really, he, he, he's relied on pick for the even through difficult periods. Um, mm. And, you know, Arsenal have done all the due diligence, really, to get this, uh, to make sure the green lights this move. And it's, it's paying dividends at the moment. Absolutely. Just before we wrap up then, David, kind of when we look ahead to, to the Leicester game, Leicester are a very, very different animal to, to Villa. They've had their struggles this season. They've yeah. not maybe started the season as the electric Leicester that we've seen them start the last few campaigns, but they are building, they are getting back to, yeah. to what we've known them to be. Vardy, again, is is scoring goals. Dakar's coming through after his amazing display in the Europa League, yeah. getting four goals, and he got an assist, of course, uh, at the weekend too. And beating Brentford is, is definitely not an easy task this season, as proven by Arsenal uh, in, on the opening day. So how do you see Arsenal faring against Leicester, and, and where do you kind of see the key areas that Arteta's going to need to focus on? Yeah, look, this is a this is a tough one, really. Uh, tough game to be going to, especially away, um, because you, it, maybe four weeks ago, yeah, I would have been certainly. If we were just looking at Leicester. I would have been confident from a team in Arsenal's form going there. But mm. you just you look now and the change of results. Obviously, they had a two all with Palace, but then since then they beat United four two. Which you know that that doesn't seem very uh, impressive at the moment, but <laughs> yeah. you know a few weeks ago they weren't as bad as they are right now. Uh, then you go away and beat Spartak Moscow. Then, as you rightfully pointed out just now, they, they go away to Brentford and win, win as well. So it's going to be really difficult. I think you the obvious threats are going to be what they what they've got up top. The the pace Vardy seems mm. to do quite well against Arsenal. Uh, maybe you don't need a reminder. Sorry, Tom, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then they got Dakar, who we know from his time with Salzburg is just uh, looks on course to be an absolute elite finisher. Takes mm. a little bit of time to adjust to the Premier League, but he looks like he's starting to find his feet a little bit. Um, and he could very well go on to be one of the, the best strikers in Europe. So mm. definitely, I think uh, it's going to be important to keep 
to keep them quiet and maybe not I guess not get caught out a little bit uh, not not get too exposed in that back line which has been doing okay last last week or two yeah and while Tavares definitely enjoyed his game against Villa it's it's likely he will face a lot more defensive tests should Tierney not be past fit for this weekend uh, Ben White of course was not in we, we, we're told he's not injured after the game against Leeds and he was suffering with illness and that's why he came off but if, if he's missing and you have to play one of either holding if he's fit or Chambers comes in or someone else then it gets a little bit more complicated uh, as to how Arsenal's backline sets up after having so much kind of chemistry of building up that clear back five even with Tavares coming in for, for Tierney it's shown to, to that consistency with White and Gabriel as the centre-back pairing, if that's interrupted, could that have a negative impact with, with such good strikers that Leicester have to break them down? So it's going to be a tactical game for sure. Yeah, I think if I if I was in charge of Arsenal for this game, I'd be uh, I'd be looking to maybe turn the tables a little bit and and, and, and kind of play Leicester's game against them. You know, I'd, especially if the back line's not going to be a little bit of a makeshift back line, mm. I'd be looking to maybe sit, sit a little bit deeper and try and limit those spaces in behind try and restrict the, the basically room that the, the fast players can expose, you know, your Vardy's, Dakers and stuff, not, not give them much space to expose in behind. And then, and then try and try and break on the counter. You know, if you think of what Smith Rowe's doing, what Saka's doing, these, these great players who are, you mm. know, got pace, got skill, can get you up the pitch quickly um, and try and punish them a little bit on transition. Because one thing I would say is I'm, I, I don't think Leicester's defense is brilliant. Um, I think we, we've seen that a little bit. It hasn't been fantastic so far. And yeah. Arsenal do have the potential to to hurt them. So, yeah, maybe it's a case of sitting back, not focusing a little bit less on pressing high up the pitch and, and trying to soak, soak up pressure and then, and then hit, hit, hit Leicester on the break. It's going to be an intriguing game. I think it's crossed Arsenal can get the business done, David, for sure. And uh, obviously, we, we hope for your sake that Everton can get things back on track as well this weekend. Oh, well, yeah. I say we hope. We kind of need you not to, but uh, oh, I don't think Arsenal needs to worry about Everton this year. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really not see them as? I mean, that's an interesting point from an Arsenal standpoint. Do you not see them as a threat for Arsenal's ambitions of top six this season? No, I don't. No, I think Arsenal are in a much better position. Um, I think. Uh, Everton are in a very strange place at the moment. Uh, I think they can be quite organised and a difficult side to overcome, but they're a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, so, you know, maybe if, they, if it's on them to go out and beat sides, they can't quite do that because they don't have the quality. You know, if you compare, if you compare Arsenal's best 11 to Everton's, I could yeah. maybe think of, what, Calvert-Lewin? Would you maybe have Calvert-Lewin? You'd, yeah. Richarlison might have a chance of getting in one one or two others at most. But beyond yeah. that, you know, the qualities in, in this definitely with, with Arsenal. So I think as long as Arsenal, you know, we go back to what we spoke about at the start, if they can bring that consistency in a little bit more week by week, then I expect uh, expect Arsenal to, to make light work of finishing above Everton and one or two others. Well, we'll see how the season plays out, but there'll be plenty more of shows for us to talk about through the season before we get to anywhere close of talking about season finishes for sure. But David, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on this afternoon. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Uh, best place would be uh, Twitter, at uh, DAHughes underscore. Uh, and I'll obviously look out for any Arsenal pieces that I do on footballlondon.com as well. 
Absolutely. You can find ourselves on Twitter at the Arsenal Way N5 or myself at Tom Cantor Media. If you'd like to follow us and find our pieces, as David says, they're over on football.london. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do drop a like on today's show and subscribe to the Arsenal Way if you haven't done so already, which leaves us nothing left to say except to keep following us down the Arsenal Way. Oh, yeah.